to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in, because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Let's go ahead and get Doug Perry on. Here we go. Well, praise the Lord. Brother Doug, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm great. How are you? Hey, doing good. I found a secret stash of some gingerbread cookies. (laughs) I was chomping on a big old hamburger I oh. microwaved quick out of the <laughs> sounds good it's a I, I got a I got a big praise report I want to hear all about it everybody welcome we're excited to be here live Wednesday January 24th 2000 was it Thursday wait a minute what is today Doug Wednesday Wednesday it, the 24th ah, it is Wednesday I'm sorry Wednesday the 24th 2024 it's Thursday here in Bali I'm just confused and welcome everybody uh, Doug, you want to open us in prayer, and then the mic is yours. Thank you. Lord God Almighty, we thank you so much for this opportunity to to fellowship between Shannon and I, but also to to be a, a blessing to your bride. Please let us don't let us do anything that would harm them in any way. Control our words. Accomplish your purposes in this time. Get all the right people here to listen. We thank you. We praise you. We bless your holy name. Praying all this to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen, my friend. Over to you. I got a nap today. I don't even. I can't even tell you the last time. Wow! <laughs> I was up at six thirty this morning, forklifting pallets of paper towels and soap and stuff onto a semi trailer, and uh, uh, up late uh, the last couple of nights. One of them with you, and uh, today I just I came home after the forklifting at seven thirty. Eight in the morning, we got home, and I just collapsed. And the Lord let me take a day off, so uh, I got a nap. And and just uh, even though there's things that got to get done, and usually I'm 12, 14 hours a day. Today He just shut me down, and let me rest. So uh, I have learned that when you are utterly, completely dedicated to Him, that every day is the Sabbath. Uh, Isaiah 58 says, is the Sabbath only a day to cease from going your own way and doing your own uh, your own works? So what day is it okay to go your own way and do your own things? Well, none of them. So he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He works on the Sabbath. The book of Jubilee says there's 6,000 years appointed, and then, and then Jesus comes, and the Father rests while Jesus works the last 1,000 years. 
And uh, so when I entered into Him Who Is My Rest, I've rested from my career, my goals, my dreams, my aspirations, my whatever, and all I do is good. Running a homeless shelter and food pantry and taking care of people. And so whenever He wants to, He just shuts me down and has me rest. And uh, today was one of those. So Very nice. Uh, I'm real grateful, yeah. Uh, it's important for folks to be thankful. You know, we have a little... A mobile home that's about 30 years old that was given to us because it was such a, a wreck. A drug dealer had lived here, and when she moved out, the word went out that she had hidden drugs inside the walls. And so people broke in and punched holes in most most of the walls looking for her stash and cut the copper electrical lines and all kinds of stuff. And this little mobile home park, we have, the ministry has 10 or 12 mobile homes, and then other people have moved here and bought their own too, and so we kind of live in community here. We're about a third of this little mobile home park. and uh, But we got given this one by the mobile home park as we were rehabbing others uh, because it was hurt so bad, and he, he got a quote for like $8,000 just to fix the electric. But if you're the homeowner, you can fix it yourself, and we have volunteers and people with know-how, so... Uh, we got it all fixed up, and, and uh, Cindy and I have been living here since 2016. And uh, when it rains hard and I'm laying in bed and the roof doesn't leak and the blankets are warm, and uh, I'm real grateful uh, for even uh, whatever the Lord gives us. And um, God put something on my heart just before the uh, before you called. Uh, to talk about religion, uh, I got a degree, a bachelor's degree in religion. Uh, it's not even ministry. It's just religion. <laughs> and as I recall, I've had to disavow most of what I learned. But as I recall, uh, there was some Bible classes uh, by a professor who I wasn't sure was really Christian, even though it was a Baptist college. But a lot of it was just comparative religions and who believes this and who believes that and whatever. And religion is the real enemy. Uh, I was eating this uh, big old hamburger that we get on the... Every day we have people go out on the food run, we call it, the harvest uh, deli food and, and dated uh, produce and bread and whatever from a couple of grocery stores and oh five McDonald's, a Pizza Hut, a couple of KFCs, a pizza buffet and a couple of steakhouses and other stuff and couple of gas stations that have food out anyway so we get all this like nice prepared food which is bad for you and hard to lose weight but it's manna <laughs> and uh god's been feeding us uh manna for 20 years now and uh anyway uh i mean this hamburger and i'm thinking you know i need to tell everybody that god does not want you to be vegan or vegetarian and uh it reminded me of a young man that was here some years ago, and he wanted to go street preach, and he really loved the Lord. And he made up a big poster on a stick that said, accept Jesus and eat vegan. <laughs> and I said, dude, you can't, you can't do Jesus plus. You, you can't require something other than Christ and him crucified for their salvation. That 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 ain't right. Don't don't go out with that. I'm I'm you can't. Uh, and he's like, but but it's better for you. I'm like, 
okay, then put, you know, accept Jesus and don't eat french fries. You know, I mean, better for you, quit, accept Jesus, quit smoking. None of those things have anything to do with your salvation. If it's not salvific, don't preach it, man. They can, God will get around to fixing them when he wants to uh, and adjusting their life. And uh, I... I uh, I, I don't, I'm not political. God told me 2004 I wasn't to vote anymore. But I keep up with the news and stuff, and I watch Vivek Ramaswamy talk about being a Hindu and being vegetarian and all that kind of stuff. And I want people to understand, I'm not telling you that God is saying you have to eat meat. I'm telling you, you can't be a Christian and then be religious about something else. Uh, you it's it you can't uh, we talked about in the last show on Monday if you go back in the archives about the queen being the most most usable piece on the chessboard and the first and greatest commandment is have no other gods before me that he is the idol he doesn't say don't have idols he says don't have any idols before me if you're going to build a shrine in your house it should be to him and nothing else, not your wife, not your Corvette, not your career, and not vegetarianism or veganism. Uh, and and it, it, so that I can tell you, there's a lot of people that have said, I think it's a sin to eat pork, or I think it's a sin to eat meat because these poor animals and God's going to punish me for it. Okay, if you believe it's sin, then to you it's sin. So you have set those parameters and when the tribulation comes and there's nothing in front of you to eat except this little pack of bacon, <laughs> you're either going to change your tune or you're going to eat it believing it's sin. Instead of being grateful for whatever God puts in front of you and, and willing. Now, it may be healthier for you to have a vegetarian lifestyle. Jordan Peterson eats nothing but beef. Fine. It's not because he thinks vegetables are bad and people ought not to eat them. And and uh, I, I, I just want to encourage uh, people to understand when something is an idea that you hold to because you think it's a good idea and when it becomes religious. And when it becomes religious... Uh, you have to think and say, okay, if God told me not to do it, would I obey him? Or am I stuck so tightly to this thing that even if God told me to, I couldn't stop? And a, and a good example is uh, here in Kansas City where we are, the International House of Prayer, which is going through a major crushing right now because Mike Bickle, the honcho, has been outed for sexual craziness going back 30 years. And leaders are leaving, and the whole thing has been off track all along. This is his second incarnation of trying to build something that's wrong. Anyway, they have been having a 24-7 singing prayer meeting since 1999. And they're trying to compete with the Moravians that went for 100 years, 24-7. And uh, there's some fundamental flaws with thinking you can take turns being holy, and somehow you're all holy. But... It's just like the Buddhist spinning drum in a Buddhist temple where the monks walk by or the people walk by and spin this wheel, and they don't even know why they're doing it, but they've got to keep it moving. It's got to keep spinning all the time. 
or, or the candles have to be lit before the Virgin Mary or whatever. And somehow it's holy. Somehow it's religion and like eating fish on a Friday or whatever. And then they'll cling to that and crucify people that don't agree with them on it when it's got absolutely nothing to do with uh, his commandments and what he really wants out of you. And if the International House of Prayer heard God say, shut it down, turn it off, go feed people, uh, I don't think they could hear it because they're on such a mission to do this one thing that they're sure is for God that they couldn't hear him say anything different. So they're, they're useless except for this one thing. And when I've talked to him about it, one day he said they're idol worshipers. I said they're worshiping idols. He said, no, I-D-L-E. They're idol worshipers. Nothing's getting done. Nobody's getting saved. Nobody's getting fed or clothed or housed. They're just singing. And at some point... Uh, and their argument is, well, uh, you know, we're going to holy, holy, holy around the throne of God forever. And I'm like, okay, do that in heaven where there's not hungry, dying people around you. <laughs> you know, you have you have the, the 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 opportunity and wherewithal and whatever to not focus on the needs of the people around you in heaven. But you can't do that here. We got stuff to do. Anyway, um, I don't know who this is for exactly. Oh, I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I didn't get any feeling like it was a rebuke for you, Shannon, <laughs> but somebody somewhere has taken something too far, and uh, it's become, uh, it's taken on a life of its own, and Satan has inhabited it, and it's its own religion now. We had a guy stomp off out of one of our meetings because somebody disagreed with him about a preacher of rapture. I can't fellowship with you if you don't agree with me 100% on everything. Okay, well, then you're useless you're not going to be a part of what of the restoration of the bride until you humble yourself and say you might be wrong instead of that everybody must agree with you and uh it's not relationship with a living christ who can direct all of your paths who can tell you what shirt to wear in the morning you know when, when i i i go to a chinese buffet i ask the lord what to put on my plate you know how many crab rangoons can i have three okay you know what can i have some watermelon yeah that piece right there you're really gonna like that piece right there it's extra juicy okay thanks lord that's the reality of the walk with god that people could have uh and should have instead of a pope 500 years ago said i have to eat fish today or what whatever anyway and so i just want to i just want to challenge people to look at their life and say, is there anything that you're telling people, Christ plus? You can't be a believer unless you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you agree with me on this and this and this and this. Um, that are secondary issues. And Paul over and over says we have to show grace. We ha on, on primary issues, unity. On secondary issues, grace. And most things are secondary issues. Uh, the vast majority of stuff we preach as critically important, probably isn't. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven, you can't figure out how they got there and uh, until God explains it to you, and there'll be people can't figure out how you got there. Um, so this is one of the biggest things I face as we try to aim for unity in the church, for the body of Christ to come together, 
is that even people that really love Jesus have been taught, um, I can't, I'm not authorized to minister to them because I have a ponytail. Or I'm not authorized to minister to them because I was divorced and remarried. Well, you know, Samson had had seven ponytails, uh, or at least dreads. Maybe maybe you're not understanding it right, and maybe you're not being merciful, and maybe we ought not to dismiss all the women from being able to speak. Um, you know, I, I I've had people tell me women can't be apostles and prophets. Okay, you know that you, maybe there's a scenario where they shouldn't be because it's really really hard, and uh, the man is supposed to surround the woman, and he's supposed to be a cup of steel, and she's a cup of porcelain, and he protects her. But we've aborted 60 million babies, a lot of them firstborns, that maybe could have been apostles and prophets. And I think God is down to whoever says, here I am, send me. And uh, some of them are weaker vessels, but they're willing. And the harvest is white. He's going to take whoever he can get. So maybe we need to be a lot more charitable and merciful and understanding uh, with anybody that's willing to say, I will get off a pew and go. Um instead of dismissing them for whatever reason we think they're not uh, exactly lined up with whatever we think we believe. Are you with me on that, Shannon? Sure. You know, it was uh, Uh, the mid-50s, I think I told you last time, that the Lord called my grandmother to sell everything they had uh, and leave. Sunday night, midnight, no sooner, no later. Fast forward, they hit the road. And uh, they show up at Sister Key's house. She was pastoring a number of churches out there with her husband. And God used her mightily. Yeah. Uh, Pivotal. Now, maybe that, you know, it was not intended for women to pass to the church. And I still believe that the men should pass to the church. But I don't know what was going on out in Texas. Maybe there was no men to be found. Right, because when they got out there, they find Sister Keys. They were sent over there by the uh, the uh, the di- district overseer of the Church of God, and she said, "Let's pray." She prayed. The Holy Spirit spoke, said, "These are my servants. Use them. Let them run in revivals." And then they were sent out. My grandparents and my uh, great uncle Johnny, his wife Aunt Sula, to churches where they had no pastors. These were mission churches in the fifties. God will use anybody He wants to. He can use a mule. Right. To communicate right. with you. Look at Deborah in the Bible. She was a judge. There are prophets and prophetesses in the New Testament church. Yes. But uh, bottom line is, uh, many people are not reporting for duty. And you think God is going to let people go to hell? Because there's some men out there who don't want to man up? we got 70% audience here that are women. I thank God for the women warriors out there. We're the men. Amen. I don't know where they're at. Maybe they're getting drunk and watching football. They're not man enough, oh, that's I got, for sure. Back to you, my friend. I got a, I got a video uh, about can women be pastors, and it's kind of a clickbaity, uh, you know, title to get people to watch. You know, we do that. But uh, my argument is absolutely not. Under no circumstances do I want to sit in a pew and listen to somebody up on the stage spout Jezebelly nonsense. They need to shut up. Ask their husband Jesus what to say and sit down. And I don't care if they're wearing a tie and that's the guy you hired and went to seminary. 
if I hear <laughs> satanic, Jezebel-y, fleshy nonsense, you need to sit down and shut up because Jesus is the one wearing the pants. He's the man. Amen. You know? <laughs> and so if, if my wife opens her mouth and Jesus comes out, then I say, yes, Lord, and do whatever she said. Because he's the man, he's the boss, and 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 I expect the same from anybody that gets up in a pulpit. It better be the original Adam coming out of them, or I don't want to hear it. I don't care what their genitals are. I don't care what their opinion is. If it's not Jesus, I don't trust you, and I don't want to hear it. He's the only truth. So it doesn't matter to me what package they came in because I can hear Jesus. I, I, one of the best rebukes I ever got was from a nine-year-old girl, didn't know what she was saying, just under the control of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he, he, like you say, he can use whatever, and I've seen him do it. And there are sisters in my life that were mightily used by God, and I wouldn't be here without them, but it was extra hard for them. I think I think it was... I think it was much harder duty for them to do what they were called to do than if a man had stepped up and done it. Sure. Um, sure. But but they were willing. And and because of that, he's real sweet on them. I mean, he really he, – he's always interested in the least of these. And um, it seems like sometimes the sisters get a pass for some stuff that the men don't <laughs> because, uh, because they're willing and because they said they would um, – Mariah Woodworth Eder was one of the great revivalists in around 1900 at the Azusa period. And Catherine Coleman and Amy Semple McPherson and lots of other people. None of them were perfect. None of them were right on everything. But they said, here I am, send me. And God used them in in, uh, in great ways throughout church history. Um, in the early 1st, 2nd century, women burned at the stake, same as the men. And they were preaching while they were on fire for three hours. Uh, oblivious to the pain, and thousand people got saved. Uh, there's letters from Catholic uh, bishops. Hey, I know you're new in town, and you just took over this district, but let me tell you, if you catch an Anabaptist, for God's sake, take them out in the woods and club them to death or throw them in the river. Don't burn them at the stake and let them preach while they're on fire. You'll have a thousand of them to deal with. <laughs> and so we have a sense of the 10 or 20 million that they killed of the real church that was out in the woods being hunted the whole time through the Inquisition, through the Dark Ages, um, because of how many letters that we have of them back and forth to each other. Hey, we went down and killed uh, 60 Anabaptists today, chained them up, threw them in the river or whatever. Um, the church has always been there out in the woods hiding there's a book called The Trail of Blood by E.W. Kenyon. You might, uh, people might read it. It's free online. Talking about if you want to find where the church has been in history, look for the martyrs. That's where, that's where you can find the real church uh, being hunted and persecuted and hated, just like Jesus said would happen. Amen. If you're just joining us, we're live with evangelist Doug Perry from Fellowship of the Martyrs. Dot com. Keep going, Doug. Well, so back in 2004, the Lord uh, got a hold of me, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, had a vision of how bad things are with the church and how much we need to hurry. And I had a website called whatavewedone.org where I was talking about financial fraud and waste and the stupidity of how we structured the church and churchianity. And 
uh, God got a hold of me and said, that wasn't my idea. That's not what I want. And I said, what do you want? He said, fellowship of the martyrs. That's what the church ought to be. The koinonia of the martus, the witnesses. In the Great Commission, he says, go and be my witnesses unto the end of the world. That word there is martus. Uh, witness always meant somebody that testifies in court until the Christians were brought to testify and would not change their testimony and were killed for it. So we invented that word. We, we modified the meaning of that word by the death of thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians that would not back down no matter what. And so the word martus came to be known as those who die for their testimony. It, it should not be used for people that strap a bomb on and get on a bus and blow up innocents. That's, that's, not, uh, that's not martyrdom at all. That's just murder and suicide. Anyway, um, the church ought to be those who are dying daily, those who are already being crucified and their flesh is being killed often. And if somebody held a gun to their head, they're like, I, I hate this place. I'm pretty much dead anyway. I want to go home. Uh, I'm, I'm, but no way am I backing down or denying Christ. And uh, koinonia is a very rich Greek word. It's more like uh, fellowship or comradeship or whatever. I tell people it's the difference. Ecclesia is just an assembly of people. It's used about the church, but it's also used in Acts chapter 16 where all of uh, Ephesus comes together in, in the stadium, in the Colosseum, and chants, great is Diana the Ephesians, in protest to how the Christians are changing the culture. And they're, they're worried nobody's buying their silver idols and stuff anymore. But that crowd is described as an ecclesia because it's a, it's a grouping of people. But uh, So church is much more, or at least it has been for I don't know how long, more like a bag of marbles where you, you can jiggle it and they all clink against each other, but but they're not really one. Um, they're just in the same place. Where koinonia is like a bunch of grapes that are stomped together and they're 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 burst they burst out of their little skins and they can never go back because they're blended one with another. That is that is more what the church ought to be. Um, you know, the comradeship that you get with people that are in a foxhole with you is different than people who just sing in a choir with you once in a while or something else um and and that's what the church in the tribulation has to become you know uh much more like guys that have been in the military and that are that are you know forever a marine because they've been in battle together um most most of churchianity has never been in a skirmish maybe never even went through boot camp probably has no clue what they even believe they just they're, they're just part of this club that they go to on sundays and hang out with people or have a fellowship supper once a month or whatever george barna who's a statistician for the church um has written a lot of books about uh, pagan christianity and where different elements of of church come from when when did we start wearing robes and lighting candles and sitting in pews and all this kind of stuff and what are the pagan roots of, of this thing that we've built? Anyway, he did a he did a, a survey of all the major denominations, asking them what are the fundamentals of faith and the requirements for salvation. And the Assemblies of God scored the best as far as people in the pews knowing what they believe and it being biblical. They got 30%. And they were by far the highest of all the denominations tested, including Baptist, Catholics, everybody. 
they scored the best as far as how many people can actu- actually accurately explain the plan of salvation and uh, what they believe. Uh, that means 70% of the best scoring church has uh, it has no clue uh, or has a mixture of whatever they've picked up along the way or you know power of intention or yoga or whatever stuff that they've mixed in uh, and doesn't believe what is actually salvific. And uh, that's horrifying. But most revivalists in history have thought maybe 2% of the people that say they're Christians are legitimately saved. Um, uh, Billy Graham, I've got a video on the channel called the Graham formula. That is, um, it's not my, uh, not my writing, but it uh, was getting kicked off of places. So I put it on mine just to try and save it from disappearing off YouTube uh, where he basically figured maybe 6% of the people that came down the aisle at his crusades, were, were legitimately saved. Some of them came down because their girlfriend came down or because emotionality or peer pressure or something. But he figured about 6% were saved on the spot. With follow-up and counseling and connecting them to a local church, you might get it as high as 11 or 12%. But he didn't tell them. 90% of them it was useless and did nothing and didn't change them and didn't save them. Uh, I've met tons of people, especially homeless guys. They're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm saved. I was at a Billy Graham crusade at this football stadium over here. And I went down the aisle. So I'm okay. And I'm like, well, let's read Deuteronomy 28. The curses of blessings of God. You're covered in boils from head to toe. Your children have been taken away from you. (laughs) Your, your purse is cursed. Your kneading bowl is dry. Uh, This looks like people that aren't on board with God. If all these curses are landed on you, well, that's Old Testament. That doesn't count. Okay. Uh, I don't think you ought to try going with that. But uh, anyway, uh, it's a a sad state of affairs. And I think uh, going back to the beginning of this conversation, those 70% have religion. They have created something, they've cobbled together pieces of this and that and whatever that they think will save them that isn't the word of God, that isn't from Jesus. And uh, that's horrifyingly dangerous, and the church is going to answer for that. The the priest class, the clergy that was supposed to teach them better is going to be responsible. You know, curses land on a nation when the clergy doesn't do their job. Homosexuality... Uh, in in the book of Judges and Chronicles over and over is is one of the things that lands on a nation when they when they when they are distant from God because the clergy didn't do their job didn't preach sin uh, the curses on Sodom and Gomorrah it says that it's not just because uh, of sodomy it's because they were wealthy and had an abundance of bread and didn't care for the poor. And that God was judging them because of their selfishness and their pride and their lack of love and their lack of empathy and all these other things that you have when you learn about Jesus, when you're raised up right, when you care about others, you know. And uh, without that, society can't function. And uh, everything starts to fall apart in all kinds of ways. 
I'm not hyper concerned about homosexuality. We shouldn't be picketing pride parades. They should be picketing churches because we did this. This is our fault. Whatever's broken about the nation, you need to go back to the church and say, what did we need to do different? How are we, by starting a denomination every 48 hours and not being one as he asked that we would be, not loving like Christ, how are we the cause of this? And and we are, and we're going to answer for it. And uh, as for me and my house, we've committed to try something different. And, uh, you know, we've given away 7 million pounds of food and housed 50, 60 people at a time. I've, I've lost track of how many times I've picked up somebody on the road and put them in the bunk next to me and uh, even hugged them and dealt with them while they're going through withdrawals and hallucinating and throwing things around the room. <laughs> I got lots of stories. One guy stabbed his roommate five times in the parking lot, and one guy set himself on fire, uh, doused his head with lighter fluid and set himself on fire because he cooked dinner and somebody said one of the brats was a little pink inside and hurt his feelings. Um, we've we've been through a lot of adventures of deliverance and, and dealing with all kinds of stuff in the last 20 years. Um, but I just want to urge people, uh, maybe it's because I'm, I've been on Facebook with people getting in my grill, fighting over stupid stuff lately. And I'm, and, and several of them, I'm like, okay, you're just that theology. I have never heard ever. And I, and I'm a student of all kinds of different denominations and what they believe in church history. And you're just making stuff up and you're absolutely sure you're right. Good luck with that. And Shannon, if I ever tell you good luck, that means you're screwed. Jesus is not on your side, and luck is all you got. And I don't believe in luck, so you got nothing. <laughs> you're in big trouble if 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 I wish you luck. Uh, but I know when to like, okay, this is a useless quarrel. This guy's not going to listen. I'm just burning the clock. This is his religion, and he will not budge no matter what. I'm moving on to find somebody that can play nice with others because this guy's, he's not going to make it. He's just not going to make it. Um, I, I can't imagine 10,000 shows, how many people you've interviewed. And afterwards you were like, okay, that guy is way too wound up. And is, is uh, not going to play well with others no matter what. Um, I imagine there have to have been some. According to the annual Christian Mega Census, which is the most authoritative source of that stuff, in 2001 there was 41,000, and a new one every every 48 hours. So we're somewhere around 50,000. That's almost hard to conceive. Conceive of? That's crazy. Oh, Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah, one of the condemnations from God is that the number of your gods has exceeded the number of your towns. That 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 you what? don't even, even in your own <laughs> town, you can't all worship the same god. You're making up more than one per town. It's, it's like there's a tree in the middle of town, and we all leave it little cakes Four. because it's in charge of us having a good harvest. But then somebody creates another tree across town, we're going to worship this one instead. Well, if, if there's only 33,000 municipalities in the United States... And we have 50,000 denominations. The number of our gods has exceeded the number of our towns. It's crazy bad. 
And all of them, mostly, are saying this is the guy that we worship whose last dying wish was that would be one. Wow. It's it's terrible state of affairs. Doug, if Jesus showed up on a Sunday, which church would he go to? The homeless shelter. Or the food pantry. God have mercy. Or the bar. It's a mess out there. You know, and it used to be that uh, you know, some of the denominations were pretty similar, whether it be Church of God, Methodist, Assemblies of God. You know, and some of them weren't that bad. Lutheran. Now, they all seem to have went south. Many of them. Yeah. Embracing, you know, homosexuality in the church. Standing up for, you know, homosexual rights. It's like, God have mercy. One after another is biting the dust. That's why I hang out on the Bible. My King yeah. James Bible. Now, I love it, and some read other versions. That's, that's between you and God, but you know what? There's so much compromise I've seen growing up in the church for over 50 years. If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? And bit by bit, the foundations are being destroyed. And there is no a right or wrong in some of these churches. It's, it's, it's ruled by consensus. Look at what the Catholic Church is doing at the top yeah. leadership levels. You know what I'm saying? They're making even staunch Catholics angry. Back to you. I could get off on a tangent. Well, I, I wrote a book called The Red Dragon, The Horrifying Truth About Why the Church Cannot Seem to Change. It's on the website for free, fellowshipofthemartyrs.com, under books, under ebooks. You can download the PDF there for free. It's just a little book, but it's a, the Lord told me to write down what he showed me. And it was on a ministry here in Kansas City, actually the International House of Prayer. I don't name them in the book, but might as well now. Um, I was only ever there a couple of times. I was down at the altar. I was aware of the, the missed opportunities and the promises for revival that they had, and I knew they were off track, and I was on my knees praying, Lord, please, uh, it, it, they've got 500 houses of prayer around the world. They're fixing to build a $100 million new campus. They've got kids coming from all over. If they're better positioned to bring revival to Kansas City, Lord, please redeem them and use them and break whatever off of them. And I could not shed a tear in the place. And that's my best thing. I cry real good. And I knew that there was some kind of suppression, like wet blanket, suppressing repentance. And so I'm looking around in the spirit, and I see this Chinese parade dragon on the roof. Um, it wasn't a surprise that I saw something. I was already seeing demons before that. But this this real uh, silky, sequiny, fancy-looking Chinese parade dragon. Not the kind they hold on a stick over their head. The big ones that come down like a canopy and all you see is people's legs out from underneath. And I can see legs under it of people and this thing on the roof. And he's like, this is my house. I've got them right where I want them. You don't have any authority here. You can't do anything. And I'm like, okay, that's the enemy. That's the bad guy. I'm going to take my sword of the spirit, chop him up into little pieces, send him to the abyss, and they'll be free. And I go to pull my sword out in the spirit, and the Lord says, leave him alone. He's with me. I said, the what? The Lord said, I put him here. I'm not ready for him to come off. Leave him alone and get out. And that was like a shock. So I go out in the parking lot, and I'm leaning on my van looking at the building, and this thing is mocking me. I told you. I got him right where I want him. You're nothing. And I'm like, I'm going to smack him just for back-talking me. And the Lord says, I told you 
get in your car and leave and don't come back. And that sent me on a search of like, okay, I just saw a demon that God said he put there. What is the deal? And led by the Holy Spirit, I run all the way through the Bible where Saul, King Saul, God put an evil spirit on him murderous, horrible, evil spirit on him where he couldn't even see what he was doing wrong, a delusion. And over and over in Thessalonians and other places he says he's going to put a strong delusion on you because you've gone your own way, because you're chasing idolatry of some sort. Maybe it's just you. Maybe it's some false god. Maybe it's some false theology. But he will turn you over to it because he's a jealous god, and you will see how worthless it is sooner or later when he gets the delusion off of you. So and 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 you can go to the International House of Prayer and cry for Israel, you can cry for abortion, you can cry for a bunch of stuff, but you can't cry for them because they think they're rich and have needed nothing, which is a delusion. Jesus said the members of your own house will try to kill you and think they're doing God a favor. Jesus's own mom when when the Catholics come at me, I'm like, "Okay, so immaculately conceived, virgin never sinned." taken up to heaven alive, right? Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, if she doubts the angel Gabriel and takes Jesus' brothers and goes to get him because she thinks he's crazy, how is that not doubt or fear or some kind of sin? <laughs> anyway, uh, well, in it's, a, it's that. a delusion, and he will put it on you, and you will not see out from under it unless you repent. But you can't repent because you think you're rich and have needed nothing. That is the state of the Laodicean church. I've heard I don't know how many pastors in all my years preach about how this is the Laodicean age, and this is the Laodicean church, but it's always them out there, not us here. And and they don't realize how much they're they're chasing their own nonsense how we're the best dragon dance team we're the most orthodox we're the most original we got more sequins we got car batteries on people's backs with lights we're special and they all do their little dance just like in the parades and get nowhere but but it looks good it's it's shiny and people like it and and they got noises and the some guy worked his way up from the butt all the way to the front and he's working the eyeballs and the mouth and and he's the most trained and successful of the dancers but they're getting nowhere they're just bobbing and weaving around the street and you better follow the guy in front of you or you're going to tear the thing apart and get ejected and if your legs get tired We'll kick you out and find somebody new to run the children's program or whatever. It's a, it's a horrible state of affairs. When I saw it on them, I began to see it on others too. And then I'm like, Lord, these are all over. This was 2006, 2005. And uh, no, 2006, summer 2006, I think. And I'm like, Lord, this is, this is horrible. There's a Methodist dragon. There's a Baptist dragon. There's, they're all doing their little dance pretending they're getting somewhere and they're not and they all chase a pearl in the Chinese parades which is really a very religious thing there's a guy out front with a stick with a with a pearl on it usually painted like the globe and then this red dragon chases it trying to swallow the globe it's right out of the book of Revelation <laughs> Wow! and the dragon doesn't know where it's going the dragon is chasing the pearl and the pearl could be a new gymnasium, it could be a new pipe organ, it could be manifestations or gold dust or feathers or falling down rolling, whatever it is, we're going to chase this pearl with everything in us and if we get it, we'll find a new pearl 
But it's not the cross of Christ. It's not humble and broken and, and uh, contrite vessels. It's not the cross of Christ, holiness and crucifixion. It's anything else. And if you chase anything but that, you're going to get turned over to that. And I began to see these all over the place. And I'd meet people that were like lone wolf prophet with their own red dragon, with their own face on it, or chasing whatever theology they'd made up or whatever. And I, and I remember I was, uh, well, it's a long story, but I was, I was talking to the Lord one day, and I'm like, Lord, these are all over. He's like, yeah. I'm like, this is horrible. They, they we're supposed to preach repentance, but they can't hear because they think they're rich and have need of nothing, and their only hope is repentance. But they won't repent because they think they're rich and have need of nothing. Why would they repent? This is a terrible catch twenty two, and the and and you can't rebuke a demon that God put there. You you can't in the name of Jesus get off something that He put there. Uh, David tried and tried with Saul to reason with him, to talk to him, to implore him. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I'm like, this is. I said, Lord, how many people worldwide are not under a red dragon? He said, 85. And I burst into tears. Wow. Burst into tears. And I'm on my face crying in the in a greasy bathroom at this factory where I was volunteering to get t-shirts. Uh, and uh, I'm like, this is horrible. And I'm testing the spirits. I'm like, I can't figure why Satan would tell me this. I certainly don't want to hear this. You know, every way I know how to test the spirits it's passing and I'm like Lord can I get a confirmation he says call so and so so I call her I tell her uh, we talked about the red dragon before and I and what it was and what it was doing and whatever because it was a, a ongoing revelation to, to me and to our group and, and I said can you confirm this oh he said 80 and she says well I hear there's 85 and this is like an hour I've been on my face crying I said Lord what's the deal he says I'm fixing it I, I, what do you mean he says I'm getting free I said this is horrible he said it used to be worse I said what do you mean it was worse he said not you not anybody didn't go their own way somehow everybody chased something if he tells you to fast and you and you sneak a french fry off your kid's plate that's good enough you went your own way He he's justified to turn you over to whatever everybody went their own way somehow and i'm convinced that the that that the the body of christ the spiritual body of christ the church had to prophetically follow the same path as the physical body of christ just like ezekiel lay in siege to a miniature jerusalem jesus was was showing us what was going to happen to the body of christ and there was a time of ministry and then uh, mocked, spit on, ripped into shreds, dripping down the Via Dolorosa, crucified and de and dead, because Jesus doesn't come back for her and she'll until she's dressed in white without wrinkle or spot, and you don't get that until you come out of the tomb. And where I think we are right now is that he's been opening eyes and scales have been falling off people's eyes, and they're realizing. This thing we call church isn't working. It's not what I want. And maybe they go through a process of switching to home groups for a while or whatever, but then that doesn't satisfy. And so more and more and more, uh, I heard 85. The next day I asked the Lord, well, there's 120. The next day there's 280. The next day there's 500 and something. And it's, it, it's, he's getting them free by his own, by his own power, lifting the scales off their eyes and showing them the the difference between churchianity and relationship and 
there, it's still a pitiful number uh, across the whole world. And the last people, the guy that's at the tail of the dragon, he's wore out. And he's he may he may zig when he should have zagged and get out of it. The guy up at the front working the eyes and the face, he he worked hard to get there. He's the last guy that's going to pitch it. That's why I respect Francis Chan because he was running a mega church that he'd built and said, "You guys aren't changing. You're not growing. None of this is useful. I'm out of here. I'm going to go find people that will listen." And uh, that's super rare for the head dragon dancer. To get out from under it and chuck it and try something different. And maybe they just pick up a different dragon. Maybe they're not really free. I don't know. But um, anyway, I believe right now we're in a period where the bride is in the tomb. Uh, He was three days. It says he didn't suffer decay. I don't know if during the whole three days... God is knitting him back together and fixing everything, or if it happens in one big burst right before the door bursts off. But that's where we are. Little veins and arteries are opening up between Bali and Kansas City, and, and little cells are coming back to life, and little little lights are lighting up all over the body and starting to connect. And it's not time yet for her to blow the door off and come out dressed in white, but it's coming. And, and, and it's going to require... It, it, the, the tribulation that led up to this, the 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 chopping the body up into little pieces. Uh, if, if if we're the spiritual body of Christ, and we and we 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 acknowledge His sacrifice for us because His physical body got beaten and and whipped and shredded, how much more so does it hurt if it's His spiritual body for us to break it up into pieces, and 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 then corrupt them and some become strange fire and some twist off and, and, and never come back. Anyway, I think when he's praying in Gethsemane, sweating blood, it's not just because he was going to get whipped. Some of the other apostles physically suffered longer than he did. I think it's knowing this whole thing is going to play out like this and it's going to hurt a lot for him to stand on the sides watching us crucify him over and over and over. Nobody has crucified Christ more than the United States. Uh, for for the opportunities we had and the truth and the, the uh, whatever. Anyway, the blessings. I, I think we're in that place right now where she's in the tomb and uh, it is still a rampant delusion on all sides. I have people call me all the time Said I've been to every church in my town and they're all whacked. What do I do? I said, go find the people that hear God, that are feeding the homeless, that are caring for the junkies, that are getting girls out of prostitution. They probably hear God a lot better than the guy from seminary that's up at the front uh, embracing LGBT or whatever else they're doing. Um, anyway, so there's good folks all over. There, there are good ministries doing good work and people that hear God, and they probably have holes in their shoes, and their kids are wearing hand-me-downs, uh, and they're not driving jet planes and Bentleys. Uh, but those are the folks that are, are going to be the most like Jesus that you're going to want to try and listen to. Just a good word tonight. We're live with Doug Perry from fellowshipofthemartyrs.com. And hey, you made a statement earlier about uh, Mary... You know, in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Of course, she was a um, a woman 
handpicked by God for the mission that she was to carry out to birth Jesus. But we're not to worship her. And uh, over there I was reminded in Luke chapter 8, then came to him, to Jesus, his mother Mary and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. And Jesus answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Yeah. So much for worshiping Mary. Jesus didn't worship his mother. We're not to be worshiping her now or praying to her. God bless her for what the role that she she carried out. That the Lord well, and they weren't there to say hi. A few verses before, it says they think he's gone crazy. Right. And they were going to snatch him up and lock him up. So they went there with the brothers to grab a hold of him and go lock him up because he was causing trouble with the Romans and the Pharisees and stirring up whatever. And they're like, this is, he's saying crazy stuff, which evidently they didn't hear him say his whole life or they would have known <laughs> that's how crazy he is. But when he started his ministry, uh, it went up to, you know, uh, High, high gear but uh, yeah it, it says point. right there they 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 thought that he was crazy and he says no that ain't my brother my brothers I'm not going out there to talk to them I'm going to stay in here with people that obey God and that's the reality the people of your own family he, he says in, in Matthew chapter 5 the members of your own house will try to kill you and think they're doing God a favor and I've seen the reality of that um, it's getting nuts out there and I have yeah. no doubt, Doug, that before the Lord comes back, as this tribulation begins to pour out on the earth, and people get offended, many that are, call themselves Christians now, and they begin to turn on others who will not bow their knee. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow their knee. Others did. I can imagine that scene, probably a sea of people all laying prostrate before that idol. And three that would not do it. Uh, you know there was uh, there was talk ten years ago. I remember some reports of this federal uh, program where the feds were going in and they were trying to see how many of the clergy out there across the, the spectrum of uh, denominations uh, would obey them in a time of martial yeah. law and try to coerce their people to also do it and submit to those in authority and try to use that scripture to say, you know, whatever the government says, we need to, to obey. No, we need to obey the, the, the laws until such time as it uh, runs against what the Word of God has said. Uh, we're always to obey God rather than men when the two clash. But uh, the, the point I'm making is, uh, you know, I can see uh, compromised church leaders just as during COVID-19, many were saying, you know, Jesus would get the vax. You need to get the vax. You can't come to my church without the vax and a mask. We're not going to allow you in here. Uh, you know, how many are going to take the mark? And then try yeah. to pressure uh, those of us that will not do it. You know, I mean, there, there's so much uh, whack, wackos out there. There's even some saying right now that, you know, don't worry about it. If it's a mark, uh, well... We're not here, so it's okay to take whatever they want to inject in your skin. Yeah. Yeah, or Neuralink wired directly to your brain that can retrain you or whatever. There's all kind of... In the 1980s, the European Union 
uh, the Western European Union is a ten-nation alliance funded uh, a series of experimental uh, programs with various universities in Europe to to study the impact of torture on deeply held religious beliefs. And the point was that throughout history, Satan has been consistently frustrated with the inability to get Christians to renounce Jesus. <laughs> and uh, so they did electroshock and who knows what on college students that volunteered, quote unquote, or whatever, were paid for this study wow. to see what it would take to get them to recant. And uh, they didn't really find anything because people with deeply held religious beliefs weren't going to really they're they're not finding martyrs on university campuses that are really not going to back down <laughs> and uh but but satan is has been all along the nazis all of them were experimenting with what can we do to get people to say what we want and uh renounce whatever because that's the goal uh he's not going to be able to force the mark on you you're going to have to want it. You're going to have to beg for it. And yes. people will. And maybe it's because if you don't ask me nicely for it, I'm going to I'm going to throw your kid on the ground and run him over with a steamroller. But um, there was a sister that was here, uh, I remember years ago, and she had been in a really abusive marriage and had a lot of fear. And uh, um, the Lord was really working with her about fear because it's a spirit and it's not from God. And he had me tell her, imagine the worst possible scenario you can possibly imagine. And then ask the Lord for the strength to endure that. And for her, it was about her kids being killed right in front of her. And uh, and for her to just, you know, all you have to do is say, Jesus isn't real, and we'll stop torturing them in front of you. And uh, and she prayed and over the course of a couple of weeks, Lord, please give me whatever you have to so that this horrifying, terrible scenario, even that, I'll have the strength. And he did something to her heart so that she would know that, that she'd be okay, that she would have an assurance that she could endure that. And then, anything less than that, well, I had a really bad day at work. Uh, okay, yeah, but I can endure my kids being tortured in front of me. What's that? What's that mean to me? You know, anything less than that, no problem. If he could give you the strength for the worst possible, most horrifying, most whatever, uh, then then you're good. You know. And so I encourage people. Uh, you're, you're not projecting. You're not prophesying. You're not speaking. This is going to happen. But you need to prepare yourself for whatever the most horrifying scenario you can imagine because we're going into a time like the world has never seen and uh, and maybe it's not maybe it's not the antichrist in a worldwide tribulation maybe it's your daughter with cancer and you want to shake your fist at god and tell him he's wrong for doing this i don't know what you're going to face but you need to you need to stand strong in your faith you need to have the assurance that you're not going to back down no matter what that you're going to rejoice in all things and that you're going to try to see the good and at least go to him and say, okay, Lord, I think this sucks. Show me why I'm wrong. This is really painful. I need you to get me through this and believe that he will. Instead of shaking your fist at him, losing your faith, and uh, uh, turning against him, which I've seen plenty of people do. Absolutely. 
That's the truth, brother. That's good counsel right there. You know, Doug, I really do believe tribulations for the church to sort out the, for sure the lukewarm. There's a lot of people. It, it, that, you can't refine silver. He says he sits as a refiner of silver, and uh, uh, a, a silver refiner puts the fire to the raw ore, and then as it goes through various heat stages, different kinds of lead or whatever floats up to the surface as dross and this bubbly slag up on the top you take a thing and a scoop and you scoop that off and then it hits 1500 degrees or whatever and another another element bubbles out and you you keep doing it until you can see your own reflection perfectly in the silver and then you know it's sufficiently refined well this can't be fun for the silver you know, we think we're going to get to re- to to be a reflection of him without a fire under us. It doesn't work like that. Being crucified daily hurts real bad. There's lots of chunks of me I kind of liked that he didn't, that I thought were valuable, and they're not. And we have to go through that process uh, if we're going to look like him. Absolutely. The devil's not going to waste his time persecuting people that are his. Right. He's going to go after the true believers. And those that are the new terrorists will be those that will not renounce Christ and will not disobey his commandments and his word. And so uh, it's coming. And I, I, that's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a refining fire. And uh, praise the Lord. God is an all-consuming fire. Let him do the work that each of us that he needs to do on each of us so that we can have uh, white garments and enter in at the end. And Lord, again, you know, strengthen us all to endure to the end because it's not going to be easy. Enemies, some of your enemies, it says, will be of your own household. We're already seeing a lot of that out there. And uh, I praise God for your ministry, Doug, because that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to reach the lost at any cost and you're trying to be a light there a lighthouse in the darkness to to share Christ with all who will hear the message. Um, You're located there in Liberty, Missouri. What's the biggest airport? Kansas City. Kansas City. Kansas City International, yep. Okay, how far are you all from Kansas City? Oh, it's uh, 20 minutes to downtown or to the airport. Okay. We're a suburb on the uh, northeast side, inside the Beltway, or just right on the Beltway. That's awesome. Now, how can people partner with you and help support the work that you're doing down there? Uh, The website is fellowshipofthemartyrs.com. I've got eight books that I've written that are free on there and uh, downloadable. we got music that we wrote, um, some worship music, some convicting kind of music about how the church ought to be a hospital and care for the poor and maybe we ought to bandage them up first and then sing and dance later uh, anyway uh, on YouTube it's FOTM1 uh, the number one we got a couple thousand videos on there um, different playlists on different topics including spiritual warfare and deliverance and other stuff um, you can PayPal to FOTM at fellowshipofthemartyrs.com. That's our email address. You can reach us there. Um, we're uh, 
uh, FOTM1 on Instagram, on um, uh, all the different uh, things that are out there, pretty much. Some we're more involved than others, but we've tried to register it on the different things just so we're there. Um, and uh, we've we've been living in community going on almost 20 years now, uh, running food pantry and homeless shelter and being the church. Uh, no steeple, just people. Instead of spending our money on a, a pole barn with a pointy thing on top, we've been investing in uh, uh, the poor and being here and being available and working with homeless and housing folks and and trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, swimming upstream constantly against zoning and other churches. I'm banned for life from churches all over town for asking too many questions uh, or not wanting to play with their program. But uh, praise God, I've got endless number of uh, poor people that would let me sleep on their sofa if I had nowhere to go. Uh, and that uh, love me and know that I'm uh, I've been more like Jesus to them than anybody else in their life um, anyway uh, it's a good work we, we're praying for the restoration of the bride and for revival in Kansas City and, and for um, about once a month we have a conference people come and spend the weekend with us and get prayer and it's free and we put you up in a so far, wherever we have room, if you need to, and and uh, the schedule for those events is on the website as well. Um, but uh, we just love you, and we're here for you, and looking forward to eternity. But right now, we got stuff to do, and everybody needs to get about it. Absolutely. Do you have any advice uh, for people right now in this economy? And they're saying, I don't know how much more I can take. They're going up on my rent price hikes everywhere I turn, food. Do you think a time of Operation Walton is coming? Do you remember the Walton series? Everybody sure, lived in one sure. house? Grandpa, Grandma? Sure, sure. John Boy? Well, I mean, that's that's what we've done. Uh, we've, we, uh, we used to rent some townhouses, and I'd have eight or ten people in a townhouse. Um, they were three three bedroom with a finished basement and a two car garage. I could put ten people in there. Wow! And uh, split the rent, and everybody's paying $150, $200 a month, uh, pitching in for the rent and utilities, and everybody's living fine. And uh, I grew up in Mexico. My folks were missionaries. It, most countries in the world, it's a regular thing to have grandma and grandpa and a cousin and a, whoever on your sofa. Yes. And and even during the depression or war years in the United States, you rent out a one of your extra bedrooms as a boarding house or uh, take in uh, the the cousins or whatever and circle the wagons and care for one another and uh, we we could we could really learn by example I, I was talking to the guy from zoning recently and there was a he was showing me the plans that had just been submitted for a 10,000 square foot house for a husband and his wife nine bedroom 10,000 square foot house for two people wow and I'm like you know I could fit 50 60 people in that place <laughs> you know uh, and 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 pay the bills and live cheap. You know, uh, we we're in a situation here where nobody has to slave away from the man, and uh, uh, they could work a part time job at McDonald's and and still survive because we got people with cars to loan you or or to get you where you need to go. And you know, I, three little old ladies can't survive on Social Security that they get five seven hundred dollars a month. Each, but if I put three of them in a mobile home, 
um, they can pay all the bills and two of them, two out of three got a car and they can get to doctor appointments and they can be okay. Cool. And um, I don't think people are going to survive what's coming without a tribe. You need to figure out who your tribe is, know that you can depend on them, and 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 you need to be valuable to them too. You know, uh, we we have some folks that that can't get around that are old and and uh, that pitch in out of their disability or their social security or whatever, and we love them and we take care of them. But uh, you need to you need to be valuable uh, in what's coming. Um, the more valuable you are, uh, if you know first aid, if you know CPR, if you know how to uh, get a generator started or whatever, uh, make biodiesel. You're going to be more valuable than just showing up penniless with nothing and expecting somebody to take care of you. I think um, I think the best thing people could do is do whatever you got to do so you can hear the voice of the Lord. And then he can tell you, you know, take this take this back road, miss the miss the uh, roadblock and get to liberty and Doug will help or whatever. Uh, where the Christians are that are hiding out with food that are going to be okay. Uh, I think you're going to need to hear the Lord because you can't you, you can't bet on uh, the website being up or technology working or anything else. And if people are at that place where they can hear His voice and test and know that it's Him and are walking with the Lord, He will direct you uh, and provide for you and make a way. Um, a friend of mine. I don't worry uh, about whether we're going to make it or not because I have always, for 20 years, watched Him get us through when there was no money. Over and over and over and over and over. Absolutely, folks. Hard times are coming. I'm talking to some of my family. They're paying two and three grand a month just to rent a place. I said, this is nuts. Two to three grand a month to rent a house or an apartment? I don't understand that. Um, I talked to another, and they said just to get a lot to put a trailer on, six to $700 a month in Georgia, not to mention the the cost of the, the mobile home you may be renting or parked there. Everything yeah. is going up. It's going crazy. And then the food. This is by design, folks. And, of course, America is bankrupt. And if you're hoping that the government's going to continue to be able to pay out uh, Social Security and disability and the rest, welfare, forget about it. There's coming a time where they're going to be broke. How are we going to survive in that time? Um, I know we're going to overtime, but let me ask this question. Maybe we can answer on a future program, but I do have some people out there that I know are tuning into the program and some are living out of the car right now. And that's a hard place to be. I saw a YouTube show the other day where whole communities are going to parts of California and I think it was Utah going outside the city limits and they're just parking out there in no man's land. Some are living out of their vans or ambulances or school buses or pulling trailers or tents. The challenge yeah. is the water out there. Uh, they're having to bring in their own water. And a lot of yeah. people say, we're doing this just because of the freedom that we have out there. Uh, I, uh, I I bet it's probably still the same way in certain areas. Do you remember just a few years ago, uh, there were reports of uh, you know people just uh, taking over parking lots at night and sleeping in their cars? Parking lots yeah, full of sure. people in their cars? Had nowhere yeah. to go? This is kind of the trend now. What can a person do if they're living in a situation like that in the car? How do they get out of that situation? Is it God's desire for them to live in the car? What's your thinking on that? Uh, I'm going to go with yes. Um, Most of the time, 
I, I spent six months sleeping in my van, driving around the country wherever he led, trusting other people to provide and God to move on their hearts and strangers putting gas in my tank and never asking anybody for anything, just waiting on the Lord and, and he'd provide. Yeah. And most of the folks that are here with us now, even if they had really good jobs, even if they had uh, big careers, something happened where they ended up homeless. And I think it was an important part of learning how to hear God, how to trust Him with nothing, uh, that they could get through. You know, if there's a giant collapse and uh, all uh, finances are wiped out, yes, I, I want my friends to be the homeless guys. I want my friends to be the ones that know what dumpsters to dive in and where it's warm and how to survive you know my my wife uh uh doesn't have the physical insulation that i have she's a uh a, a sweet hundred pounder and uh she has learned from the homeless guys to wear walmart uh bags between two pairs of socks to keep her feet warm in the winter wow uh and put a piece of cardboard uh as an insole in your shoe uh, to stay insulated and uh, keep your feet warmer. And there's lots of stuff that I've got to learn from folks that have been on the street. And I think for what's coming, uh, it's not so bad to go through a season of preparation, which, of course, you can't do in the church. There's no, sure. I don't, except here, I don't know where you're going to go and learn how to uh, trust God for everything and have faith like a child. There's no seminary with a faith like a child degree, but living in your car, you're going to have to you're going to have to practice some of that and get good at it. So, um, I think I think that he is. A lady called me and said, uh, "My two year old won't eat anything but rice. I've tried and tried and tried. What should I do?" Wow. And I prayed about it and I said, "Lord, uh, what's the deal?" The Lord said, "I'm preparing him for tribulation when there's not going to be anything. Leave him alone. Lots of the world survives on nothing but rice." Got I'm that. like, okay, <laughs> just give him rice then. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I, there have been times when I fasted without food or water, seven, eight days at a time, 200 days out of the year. And uh, I know if, if, if we had a food shortage, uh, me and a bunch of other people around here, we had one of our guys fasted 40 days without food or water. Um, well, I know true. I can go for however long the Lord wants and give my food to somebody else. That there's a uh, there will be people beating each other up over a can of corn that were in church a year before, and that's horrifying. Um, we should be we should be fighting over who can I bless with the last remnant of what I have uh, if we want to be like Jesus, and He will make sure there's enough. Um, I I, to, I think I told you about. Uh, this prophet guy, I know Brian Hubert, had a, a, a dream about a, a woman in a sundress, barefoot, in the woods, in the winter, in the snow, with a baby. Wow. A short sundress being chased. You could hear uh, greyhounds off in the distance barking, and the police were chasing her. And uh, she's, she's in the woods. She's hungry. She's threadbare. A little short, knee-length dress. Uh, she stops, reaches in a little pocket on her dress, pulls out an apple seed, sticks it in the ground, and steps back while an apple tree grows flowers and fruits right in front of her. She grabs a few apples and keeps running. And the Lord told him, this is a picture of the bride and the man-child during tribulation. 
you'll be a few steps ahead you'll be you'll feel ill-equipped but i will get you through and if i have to provide for you i will grow the food in front of your eyes um this is this is how this is the faith you need to have and um so that's always been a challenge to me and i've shared it with a lot of people that you need to believe that he's going to feed you there's a a guy with a ministry in tennessee uh who i won't name because he went squirrely but in his first book before he got squirrely he was telling a story about when he was younger had a young family and they were learning to trust god and they're sitting at the dining room table and there's not a stitch of food in the house and uh, a couple of teenagers and he prays lord uh send food or fill our tummies and they're hoping maybe a, a Domino's delivery guy is going to ring the wrong doorbell or something and hand him a pizza. And so he finishes praying, and they all sit there looking at each other. And the teenage son says, well, I'm full. The daughter says, yeah, I'm full. <laughs> and they all think for a minute, and like, you know what? I'm not hungry anymore. I feel like I just ate a meal. And they push away from the table and go about their business. Uh, hmm. He can do that. He can do that. Uh, we got to raise the bar. And stop looking at the carnal. Hmm. You know, do I have enough gold and silver? Do I have enough whatever? Um, you know, there's all kind of reasoning. If you're going to prep and store up stuff, uh, store up cigarettes, liquor, sugar, salt, uh, a thousand Bic lighters, stuff that's easily tradable, um, you know, medical uh, supplies, gauze, bandages, what you know, stuff that you can swap for something. And... Uh, don't take take whatever gold you've been hoarding and turn it into stuff that you can put in your pocket and um, easily hand to somebody and they can hand you back a can of corn or whatever you need. Um, you got a point. But there. that's still focusing on the carnal and not. Uh, if God tells you to do that stuff, do that. I mean, I got four thousand pounds of salt in the warehouse. I've got <laughs> wheelchairs and walkers and and uh, you know medical supplies and all kinds of stuff. But uh, Doug, but uh, I'm not. I'm not a prepper. I'm not hoarding it. I'm. I'm here to co- to provide for a community. Do you have access to water down there? And what about propane? Um, we have a 40 acre farm with a 20 acre cave underneath it, limestone mine, horizontal. Drive trucks in and out, and it's about a million square feet, uh, 20 acres. And the back, maybe 11, 12 acres are underwater, about three foot deep. Wow! And it has filtered down through the limestone. So I probably have. I don't know, 400 million gallons of fresh water uh, in the cave. We have to pump it out. If it's a big rainy season, it starts encroaching up on the rest of the cave. We have to run the pumps and get... uh, uh, Two years ago, it rained a lot. We ran the pumps for two and a half months uh, to get the water to recede. Full bore out of three-inch PVC pipe, it was full bore for two, three months just to lower the water level by a foot. Oh, man. So we have a creek running through it. Um, Yeah, we have... uh, uh, propane, we don't we don't have. What we have is trees, but uh, you wouldn't really want to be burning a lot of gas inside the cave anyway. But the cave is 60 degrees year round, so we don't have to heat or cool it. If you wear a sweater, uh, you're fine. And uh, the other thing is, we had donated to us um, in the fall of 21 when we opened the thrift store. The same day we saw the thrift store and agreed to the lease, we had uh, an email want to donate 900 pallets of paper towels, toilet paper, sanitizer, masks, goggles, amazing aprons, spray bottles, all this stuff. So I have probably 400 pallets of hand sanitizer. Uh, 
which is, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, 12 semi-trailers. Well, you can use that for fuel, uh, too. That's alcohol, right? Um, yeah, that's 80, 80, 80, 85% alcohol. You can cook with it. You can light tiki torches. You can heat with it. Um, and uh, even if it's the gel type, not the liquid type, it'll burn in an oil lamp. Um, so we just have it stashed waiting for whatever. Uh, I don't know that we'll need it for hand sanitizer, uh, but uh, Do you it's have, good for lots uh, of other stuff. You got surface area out there where people could uh, pitch tents if need be? Yeah, in a real, like, zoning doesn't matter anymore, end of rule of law kind of situation, uh, this is farmland all over around here. So, um, you know, I, I think when you have revival, when the body of Christ really comes together in a real crisis, um, we're the breadbasket, man. We've got cows everywhere. we got corn. we got green beans and soy. and we got everything out here. And uh, and folks with a big heart. Uh, the, 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 the problem is going to be the big cities. Um, that's where it's going to be a free-for-all and it's going to be hard to to even find other Christians and survive right. in the concrete jungles. But um, out here in the suburbs and in the farm country and stuff, uh, I mean, north of us, there's there's nothing but uh, but uh, farms on a hundred acres or something. It's it's not. It's uh, there's there's lots of room, and uh, sounds to me like God has tapped you to build a refuge there for the end times. For sure, and yeah, for this sure. This is amazing work. Uh, one more question. Of course, cash is always best because then you can apply it where you need to very easily. But in addition to that. If uh, people wanted to donate other things, is there anything you need right now uh, that if people want to donate vehicles, uh, sleeping bags, tents, whatever? Uh, how yeah, can they any of that stuff, uh, it doesn't, some of that stuff, it doesn't make any sense to ship. But if you wanted to, um, if you wanted to send it or come visit us and bring a carload of that kind of stuff, uh, leg braces, medical supplies, if somebody works at a hospital and they get a lot of leftover gauze and whatever, it would take any of that kind of stuff too. But um, uh, if somebody's listening that is a good car mechanic and wants to come spend a week with us, uh, that would be a – or rehabbers to help uh, fix plumbing and fix up the mobile homes, that would be great too. So uh, you could contribute – with your time and labor and uh, be a real blessing as well and and come and meet some brethren and get some prayer and hang out with us and we'll house you and feed you and um, if you can just get on a bus and come come hang with us in Kansas City for a little while that would be great Um, in the spring uh, you know a youth group could come and we could get some stuff planted on the farm and and do some do some cleanup and uh, build a new chicken coop or whatever like that so there's there's there'd be opportunities for sure to to uh, help us get ready for whatever's coming. Oh, that uh, brings up one more question. Uh, do, do you do any farming out there? Do you grow any of your yeah. own food? Yeah, we have We have not. The focus has never been to be a production farm. The focus has been to learn self-sufficiency. So over the years since we had the farm, 2015, when we got the, the property, uh, we have experimented with catfish in tanks in the cave, We have raised spirulina, uh, green algae, superfoods in tanks in the cave. Uh, We've done worm farms. We raised rabbits for a while. We had a couple hundred rabbits at a time. Oh, wow. The the problem was we can't slaughter them on farm and sell them to the public. 
and the last slaughterhouse that would do rabbits in Missouri closed. So we stopped doing that. But still, that is a great way to feed people. I would encourage you to raise rabbits. A pair of rabbits in one year will give you more meat than a cow. If you breed them every 30 days and uh, uh, and then breed the next batch when they're ready and so on, it'll it'll actually accumulate to over 1,500 pounds a year, uh, potentially, if New Zealand white rabbits and they don't make noise you could even raise them in an apartment quietly and nobody even know they were there uh is a great a great meat source i heard Um, droppings uh, are some of the best fertilizer too i've got a friend in panama god said i want you to go and learn how to uh, grow food at the root level he knew nothing about it and he said you know we've learned over the years a lot of things and he said we have a thing called rabbit wine over here and we're using rabbit uh, droppings for fertilizer when fertilizer is getting to get hard to find. Uh, he said, you know, a rabbit's going to be worth its weight in gold very soon. I got to thinking about that. And chickens, you know, that lay eggs. Uh, you know very well over here in some of these countries, maybe the only protein source people got is one egg, and they'll put in a walk. Yeah. Uh, rabbits and, ch- and egg-laying chickens, man, if you got the land to do it, that's a great yeah. thing to do. And ducks, we've got ducks and geese. Uh, and chick, we got I don't know what several hundred chickens at the moment. Wow. And see, we uh, we uh, we have other people that are with the church, um, that we let them do whatever on the land. So we've got raised garden beds, we've done hydroponics, we've done aeroponics, uh, we've experimented with all kinds of different things. We've had we had a greenhouse until the snow took it out, but it was only like a two hundred dollar cheapy greenhouse but it couldn't handle any snow load we've got hoop house up on top we've planted an orchard of fruit trees um i i encourage people to look up Kratky hydroponics it's just you you can grow uh lettuces and tomatoes peppers in a bucket you know it's uh this guy that's a uh doctorate in uh whatever growing stuff at the university of hawaii uh, k-r-a-t-k-y and came up with this system you just add the right nutrients you add the, the a couple of gallons of water you grow head to lettuce start to finish no nothing else to do it's just completely independent autonomous put it on the deck and it'll grow you know uh start to finish on like a gallon of water what do you um, think about uh dehydrated foods yeah, yeah, we've got uh, we got uh, folks that are running dehydrators, and they were talking to me right now about getting a um, freeze dryer. There's a super fancy, like six thousand dollar one, on sale here for like two thousand dollars. Wow! That we're looking at, at at getting that would freeze dry stuff because we get lots of produce. Yeah. We get lots of don- donations on the food run and stuff, and we could be uh, freeze drying the the pineapple and the other stuff that. And using later spices and herbs and other things too, but um, yeah, we grew. We we um, had a lot of production this year on the farm for the little bit of group and little bit of volunteers that we had to do it. But we do have a lot of acreage more that we could be using um, if we if we wanted to. So we're in conversation now about how to do that. I'd encourage people to watch the uh, Back to Eden gardening video it's on youtube for free a guy does above ground wood chip gardening where you don't have to till the soil you just build it up with wood chips and other stuff and then plant in that and uh, permaculture uh if you study permaculture at all it talks about how to set up a food forest where you have multiple layers you have a fruit tree and then under it you have strawberries or whatever and you're 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 
looking at the different layers, some that need a little shade, so you plant this here and you plant this there, and and then it's all stuff you can just let it go. And in a couple of two three years, depending on the the plants, you've got a complete food forest in a compact amount of space. So we've studied all of that stuff and and even had some classes and and um, we have a guy here that can walk around the property with folks and say okay this is edible and this isn't and and he's not going to be any good in costa rica but in missouri he knows exactly what we grow and, and exactly what you can and can't eat um that's exciting and uh it's helpful at least regionally you really don't need to know what 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 you can eat in the amazon unless you live there you need to know what is in your area and your backyard uh, Jerusalem artichokes, or this wheat, or this bark, or whatever you could you could eat if you had to, um, and and medicinal properties of dandelions and the leaf and the root and the flower and all that kind of stuff. So we have we have some folks here that God is blessed with a lot of knowledge and skill in those areas. Um, I've I've learned that I can't hold it all, and I'm not supposed to. I'm just one component of this thing, so I don't feel a need to have it all in my head, as long as I have somebody here that does have it in their head. Um, Doug, that's, someone, uh, that's good enough. If, some, if someone wants to contact you once again, how do they do that? And do you have PayPal if they'd like to support the ministry? Yeah, the email address is the same one we use for PayPal. is FOTM at fellowshipofthemartyrs.com so FOTM at fellowshipofthemartyrs.com is the PayPal address and it's also um, the email that's going to come to me directly we're not big enough to have secretaries and layers of bouncers to keep you from reaching me uh, uh, I mean just Cindy uh, but uh, uh, we're, we're, we're here and we want to help and I want to pray with you I want to do what we can for you uh, we have we have people all over the world that have replicated um, uh, homeless shelter inviting people into their home or food pantry or other stuff that we've been doing over the years and and so I'm real grateful uh, because I know that our impact is much bigger than just what we're doing here uh, through shows like this and our own shows on YouTube and other places we've we've been able to convince a lot of people that there's more to uh, the Christian walk than sitting in a pew my friend I want to thank you for coming on tonight uh, folks, share this program with your friends. And uh, I'm making up a schedule right now for February. Give me some dates that work for you. Let's get you back on, brother. I want to thank sure, you for your time. Sure, that'd be great. And uh, what was your wife's name, Sister Perry? Cindy. Cindy. Extend an invitation to Cindy anytime she would like to come on and share a word. She's welcome. And uh, okay. God bless you both. You want to close us in prayer? Sure, sure. Lord, thank you for this time. Please get uh, this in front of all the people that are supposed to hear it. Uh, please block it from the people that aren't supposed to hear it. Um, if there's anything we said that wasn't pure and true and holy, Lord, let it fall to the ground harmless and not hurt your bride. We love you and we bless your holy name. We, we, we trust you to get us through. If we don't trust you enough, do whatever you got to do to us so we can trust you more. Um, we want to be little children following you around knowing that you're going to uh, preserve us and feed us and take care of us as long as we're following the fire in the cloud and uh, we we love you and we praise your holy name and we bless you even if we got to live in tents fed with manna we're not going to turn on you just get us through this veil of tears so we can get on to the next thing and be with you forever 
We praise your holy name. We pray all this to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Doug, thank you for coming on tonight, my friend. Is you there betcha. a special title you want to put on tonight's show? Uh, beware of religion. Okay. That's pretty close. I'd written down earlier, when good ideas become religious. We're, we're on yeah. track there. Okay. Beware of religion. Okay, very good. My friend, God bless you. Thank you for coming on. We'll see you again. Take care. You too. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. Praise the Lord. That was Doug Perry, fellowshipofthemartyrs.com. Hey, he's got some great resources on his website over there. A lot of great books. Go over and help yourself and consider supporting their ministry. They're doing a great job. And they really are going to be a lifeline to many in these last days as we come under perilous times folks it's going to be good to know there's some refuges out there some people that love Jesus and where you can connect and you know if you have bill to support their ministry they can certainly use it if you've got things you'd like to donate to them you can contact brother Doug and speak to him about how to get it there but uh God is positioning them uh, to help men in these last days. They are definitely in a strategic location. That's going to be a city of refuge, I really believe it. Liberty, Missouri. I never forget it. Dr. Hansen, my friend, World Ministries International, a few years ago when things were getting really nuts out there, he said, There's some listeners to the program, they have given me coordinates. GPS coordinates. They've said to me, if you can get to these coordinates, we will keep you alive. Folks, we're going to be talking about kind of, uh, there'll be people having those conversations. Where can I go to stay alive? My city has went nuts. There's no resources here. It's Zombieville. You need to uh, be connected to places of refuge. And if you have skills that you can lend to help them, they can certainly use them. If you've got resources you'd like to donate, they can certainly put them to good use. So praise the Lord for what they're doing there. Fellowshipofthemartyrs.com I want to thank all of you for tuning in. I've got all the shows uploaded for you that we've done so far today. We've done um, programs since about 9 a.m. this morning. We did three international shows, came back and did a couple this evening. I'll have this one with Brother Doug uploaded shortly. Please share it with a friend. We're going to be back tomorrow, Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll have Brother Gary Stafford with a special guest. We'll have Zoe Eddy, Barry McAlpin from the Gold Coast of Australia, and Brother Joseph Jasinski. Five shows on Friday, beginning at 6 p.m. We'll be doing an early show. Peter Torres, John Terrell, Charles Jornigan, Rose Betancourt from Miracle Valley will be preaching, and um, World Ministries International. I'm also going to get some reloaded programs up for you today. Get another four or five uploaded for you. Plenty of content going up over at Podbean, omegaman.podbean.com. Help yourself. All these archives are free. Free to listen to, free to download. And again, at my website, you'll find some other resources there that you may be interested in. Hey, and if you hang around on that page long enough, go go all the way to the bottom and play Pac-Man or Missile Command. 
There's, a, there's actually some games down there at the bottom, some old-school 8-bit classics. Yeah, brought back memories when I found them. They're available on the AARP site. I think there's other people that appreciate them too, so I put the links up there. Um, love you all. I want to thank you that are able to support these programs. We are 100% listeners supported. Uh, we have no advertisers. I have nothing to sell. And I want to thank you that have been able to help us to keep fueling this machine. We are in desperate times. The world at large. Things are going up in price. Things are becoming more scarce that maybe we've taken for granted in the past. We shouldn't do that. And no, um, it's only going to get worse before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. But we still have a job to do. We still have to occupy. And um, we pray for you. I want to thank all of you that, uh, again, come out here to tune in these programs and help us any way you can. It's much appreciated. It's not in vain. And uh, we'll go as far as we can. God richly bless you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Bless everybody that came out tonight, all the speakers. We thank you for this opportunity tonight. Speak your word. Fellowship. Bring some great messages this week. And we ask you to bless everyone that has come out tonight. Guide and direct all of our steps, Father God. Don't let us be deceived. Open up the right doors and shut the wrong doors. God, give us all dreams and visions. Speak to us through your word. Lord, direct our paths. You said if we will acknowledge you, you will direct our paths. We're asking for your will be done. Give us a blueprint for victory. Help us to stay one step ahead of the enemy. We ask God for those that are seeking jobs, that you would bless them, give them a great job. They can support their family, meet their needs, and abound to every good work. Bless these ministries, Lord, that have been on tonight. Give them every resource they need. We thank you, Father God, for this all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. OmegaManRadio.com again is my website. Love you all, and we'll see you next time on Omega Man Radio, uh, which is tomorrow. I'll go ahead and get this uh, last show we did with Brother Doug up, and uh, then I'll get to work in here in a few hours on some reloaded shows. Hope you enjoy it.